Welcome to Womance and another Wonus. Wonus. This week we are going to discuss gossip. Hot gas. Uh, hot gas coming through. Ooh, don't touch the plate. That gas is very hot as a literary device, but also as a life-erary device. Exactly. And how <laughs> literature and liferary maybe do gossip both a disservice or maybe make it outsized in ways that we should talk about. You know, I'm going to push back on that, that idea that we outsize gossip because sure. I've got to say, I love it and I think it is exactly as important as I feel it is. Oh, I didn't mean to say that we have an outsized relationship with gossip. I feel very strongly that gossip is incredibly functional. Our desire for it and our desire to engage in it are also extremely functional. When I say outsized, I really just mean, and I'm going to be gendered about it, I think the system that we currently have of patriarchy and white supremacy likes to use gossip as a cudgel to infantilize women and demean the ways in which we talk and engage with one another. Well, Um, yeah, I think gossip is always, every time it has a negative connotation. That connotation is also, if we're talking about 19th century, 20th century even, it's going to be like very explicitly described as womanly. Yes. And now it gets, you know, that's much more between the lines. But whenever people are maligning gossip, it is kind of the idea of like poison. <laughs> right. And <laughs> Like I, and a I, slow, secretive destruction. Totally. And I want to hold that version of gossip because I think that's how romance sees gossip a lot. Mm -hmm. But I also, I want to hold that and I want to hold it with the other part of gossip that I think is actually incredibly functional, the way that gossip builds relationships, the way that Mm. gossip can be utilized to protect vulnerable people. It's also a, it's a pedagogical tool. It's a way of us teaching one another what is acceptable and what is unacceptable or even just expressing to someone personally. And this gets to another positive of gossip, which is that it is relationship building. It is about about intimacy. Mm-hmm. It is a way of communicating your personal values in a very kind of baited way where yes. you can say, this is the information I have about this other person. And here's why I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's a way of you saying like, this is not how I feel. And it also gives the other person the opportunity to repeat back to you like, well, this is how I feel. And you have mm-hmm. this exchange of self that is mediated by another person's experiences. So do you want to talk about gossip? in the romance novel that we just read or where do you want to go with this? I think gossip as a womanly trait, right? Mm-hmm. As a womanly cudgel. Yeah. And also, you know, romance as a woman's genre. All of these with very big asterisks next mm-hmm. to them. Gossip is a literary device as well. Mm-hmm. And one of those things that is so complicated when it shows up, if you kind of poke at it at all. Because, you know, if we think about the example of, say, Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. the gossip is villainized in it. But of yes. course, the entire relationship, the love story cannot exist without gossip. And while the characters who gossip, the bad gossip in Pride and Prejudice are maligned, technically everybody's participating in it, hero and heroine, but they get out clean on the other side because it it works out for them. For sure. Not only do they get out clean, but if Darcy had started a rumor mill about Wickham or if Georgiana had, there's a version of that story where Lydia doesn't get caught up and like, you know, taken for a ride by Wickham and then has to have a patched up marriage, right? Like there's a version of this where a whisper 
network, I think, is the term when gossip isn't negative or is deployed for a positive end can really be utilized to protect people. And the fact that like Wickham was allowed to work and abuse and malign in secret was a failure of gossip. Yeah, it's true. And the other side of that is that Mr. Darcy participates in gossip. He's like an active perpetrator and he does get his comeuppance because his girlfriend doesn't love him. (laughs) Um, But then she does. Then she do. But it works as a literary device. And I think a really clear example of this is the last book we read, which is The Wish, Mm -hmm. where in gossiping woman's talk about our hero being previously convicted leads to his later arrest, but then allows for the kind of masculine communication of action, right, on Mm -hmm. the part of the men in the community to bail him out, allows for him to become an accepted part of the community. Right. I think you're so right to term this as like communication levels of masculine and feminine, where it's like the twisted, whisper, quiet, off scenes of gossip has negative consequences. And then it's the manly, above board, action, assertive communication that saves the day. And I think that that is the binary that gossip is often thrown into. Yeah. That binary is often what makes it work as a literary device. Right. But there is no, if we can narrowly tailor it to romance Mm -hmm. and, you know, perhaps this earlier form called the social novel, which does still exist to a certain extent, but not so much. Mm-hmm. anymore. But gossip is a necessary part of creating conflict to either overcome or allowing, you know, a suspected conflict to become a more public project that the characters can then fix, which is what happens in the next book we're going to talk about, Pucked. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for some scientific facts about gossip? I would love some scientific facts about gossip, but I just want to say one quick thing as we're thinking about that idea where it works as a literary device to put our characters in conflict. And I think like this harkens back to the thing that you said at the beginning, where at its best form, gossip can function as a bonding tool. And it's this misunderstanding that gossip engenders that then has to be worked through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is one of the ways in which we undo gossip to build a tighter bond between hero and heroine. And I think that's an interesting way in which we're like, gossip is always bad. And I'm like, oh, gossip is sometimes the thing that brings people together. Well, I think, okay, so I was reading about gossip in the novel. Mm -hmm. One of the points the writer of this essay made, and we'll link this perhaps on our blog. But they said something that I felt really poignant about. It struck a string. It really got me thinking. And the phrase is that gossip loves plight, Hmm. but seeks to flatten it. And that's that kind of binary, that oversimplification. And I think Mm -hmm. whenever gossip is rectified in the novel, it's by adding nuance and people Mm -hmm. communicating directly with one another rather than having their feelings, their intentions communicated via a third party. Mm -hmm. And that, that idea that a third party is always kind of flattening out the plight of another person before sharing it with another also speaks to that thing that we were just chatting about, which is that everyone is the hero of their own novel. Mm-hmm. in their own life, in their own head. And so, you know, whenever we're asked to talk about someone else being the hero of their novel, as it were, of their own life, we <laughs> tend to be like, so this side character uh, <laughs> had this thing happen, you know, without recognizing it. And I think whenever we talk about undoing gossip, what we're actually talking about it is kind of unflattening the mm-hmm. story of another person. And the problem of gossip is 
a flattening of a person's experience. But scientific facts about gossip. I've been reading about gossip all day. I've got gossip on the brain. Goss, 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 goss. Goss, goss, goss. And I will say, just to kind of establish my personal perspective on this and where I'm coming from and where I'm speaking from, is that I have been a lifelong admitter that I love gossip. Mm -hmm. If you don't have anything nice to say, come say it to me. But also, like, we're going to get into it. I just love having information and sharing Mm -hmm. information. I love talking to people. And so Mm -hmm. it's probably no surprise that I love gossip. I love knowing everything that's going on. It's one of the few things that can make me feel in control Mm -hmm. (laughs) of anything is having what I perceive to be information. But anyways, okay, scientific facts. Isabel. Morgan. Did you know that only 15% of gossip is not neutral information? Huh. So it's either positive or negative. Only 15% is not neutral. Is not neutral. So that means that 85% of gossip is neutral. That's insanity. That is a very weird construction. And I found myself very confused. But now that we have the construction in its most concise and clear form, 85% of gossip is fucking neutral. Is neutral. You're just sharing information about another person. So from a sociological standpoint, and this is, and gossip is going to be defined differently in the novel because because mm-hmm. why would you bother having your character say something neutral on the page? You wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Gossip is broadly defined as a discussion about a person who is not present. Mm-hmm. And so, right, you're both third parties communicating the experiences of mm-hmm. another person. Okay, so 85% of gossip is neutral. Isabeau. Would you be surprised to learn that they can physiologically test to see how close a piece of gossip is to you personally? Hmm, that makes sense to me. I feel like your heart rate would go up and you'd have No, like- it's not. It has nothing to do with that. It's what parts of your brain are activated when oh, you're listening exciting. to a piece of gossip. So if you hear a piece of gossip about yourself, for mm-hmm. example, or just a piece of gossip that rings true to you, that you feel like they're talking about your experience, experiences that another person had when you're like, oh my God, I've done that too. Mm -hmm. Your prefrontal cortex fires, which is the part of learning, right? So you're learning something from that supposedly or processing it seriously, which is also not super pleasurable. Mm -hmm. The further away a piece of gossip gets from you, you start firing on the pleasure centers of the brain. Oh, that's interesting. Which is why so many sociologists and anthropologists anthropologists and indeed theorists relate gossip to grooming because whenever primates groom each other, they get bathed in pleasure Mm -hmm. and they share this intimacy and this connection. And that's Mm -hmm. what they're building. Whenever I read something about Kim Kardashian, Mm -hmm. I get all those pleasure synapses. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I see a piece of gossip about myself, I have a very unpleasurable experience. So like, you know, that's important to think about as far as like using it as a literary tool is that it never feels good. It always feels like a problem whenever Mm -hmm. it's close to you. And of Mm -hmm. course, if we're talking about a romance novel, if we're going to include gossip, it's always about the hero or heroine. So it's always going to be, it's kind of manifesting 
literary wise in the same way it does in real life, mm-hmm. where it comes across as a displeasurable experience. That's really, really interesting. I love this idea of grooming, but it's so funny because like as soon as you put it into like human terms, because when people talk about like social grooming, uh, especially mm-hmm. of young mm-hmm. women, it's yeah. always negative, like being trained to deal with like the hot ton or like how <laughs> to be in a clique as a teen when you're being socially groomed. And yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, we really have thrown a very negative pall over a very normal thing that sentient social creatures want to do. Yeah, well, I mean, gossip is considered a feminine form of communication, but gossip is, you know, pervasive. I think it's something like men spend 55% of their conversations gossiping and women spend like 67% of their Mm -hmm. conversations gossiping. So it is a little bit higher, but women also are just more comfortable with intimacy between others in general. So that's how they account for that difference. It got me thinking about this idea of spells, right? Like witchcraft Mm -hmm. and words having Mm -hmm. power and influence in a really direct material way, which is certainly true for gossip. Certainly true for gossip. When I actively think about spaces in which we don't demonize gossip, especially when we unyoke it from its biblical teachings, I'm thinking specifically about this scene in Working Girl when Tess McGill is forced to explain how she got the idea for her prize winning whatever. And she's like, I was reading page six, which is the gossip column Mm -hmm. about Trasker's daughter getting married and how pretty she is. And then she turned the next page of the magazine to read about a business deal in radio. And then she's like, Trask radio. And it's like, that's a moment where in which gossip that doesn't belong to you that you're just like happily consuming page six Mm -hmm. and the fact that we still refer to it as page six. And like, that's a moment where in like gossip isn't inherently about tearing a third party down. Sometimes it is just truly neutral. Trasker's daughter's getting married. Doesn't she look pretty? so interesting that you bring up page six because there was another study done where they compared the number of column inches in I think the London Times to Hello Magazine to Mm -hmm. compare how much ink was spilled on gossip and it was equal. Oh, I love that fact. Isn't that cool? That was good. I mean, because gossip is something that like we only speaketh its name whenever it's getting someone in trouble, really. It's true. It's super true. And I think that's interesting. And in this question of like, okay, so if gossip is mostly neutral and Mm -hmm. then whenever it is good or bad, it's pretty much evenly split. Why do we have such a negative relationship with it? And of course we can say because it's associated with women, but I don't think that's it. I think it has negative connotation and then it's associated with women. And I read this argument that was talking about the duality of gossip. And I think that's why we can never fully feel positive about it. Mm -hmm. Because when we're engaging in it, even just people knowing your business, period, Mm -hmm. feels kind of bad, even when it's neutral. Because you think about people passing judgment. And so while you're engaging in gossip, you can fire off your pleasure centers, but the closer it gets to who you are, the closer you get to talking about something that relates to you, the less pleasurable it becomes. That duality, that balancing act of when gossip feels good and when it feels bad is so ever moving. I think it's ever moving and I'm not quite willing to accept that we have a negative relationship with gossip 
gossip and then it was feminized. So we have an even more negative relationship with it because I'm thinking about it in terms of not only bonding, but also power connections. And something that you Mm -hmm. said earlier about this idea of like words having power and materiality and like words having physical and social consequences. And I've been thinking about gossip in romance and its negativity because it always sat sort of askew with the Me Too movement and how prior to the Harvey Weinstein articles, so much of what women knew how to protect themselves in academic environments or professional environments was through a gossip or whisper network. Like at the Christmas party, don't get drunk around Chuck, right? Just like don't follow him or like, oh, your office is next to so-and-so. Let me tell you when he goes on his long lunches so that you can like safely use the copier. And I've been thinking about that specifically and how that information was communicated, but also wouldn't ever feel good, right? Because you're making concessions or compromises to live in a professional world with bad actors that Mm. you can't call out above board with Mm -hmm. assertiveness for fear of financial repercussions, for fear of professional repercussions, for fear of anything. And how the functional utility of gossip, of keeping oneself safe, doesn't feel good, but feels like a necessary part of this conversation that I think is often lost. And like brings me all the way back to Pride and Prejudice, right? Which is a story about gossip, but like also like the failure of gossip to protect women. I want to put pressure on the idea of gossip in those instances, Mm. in the case of a whisper network, not feeling good because anything salacious like that is going to trip a wire Mm -hmm. further having another woman share intimate information like that with you and legitimizing whatever concerns you may have and revealing a certain amount of care for you is also going to feel positive. And so it's hard to imagine a single piece of gossip being entirely positive or entirely negative until it applies directly to you and it's critical of you. So like, for example, right, socially, we all tend to think of cheating as bad. Yeah. And so if if someone is gossiping that you are cheating, that piece of gossip I can understand as feeling entirely bad. Mm-hmm. But I think someone talking about a third party to you, it's difficult for it to not also be pleasurable, if only in the context of you're building intimacy with another human being. I think you're right to push up against that and to like not reach for easy answers because like the article that I read about this woman coming into this work environment and that there was such a strong whisper network is she said that she felt cared for but she was also immediately upset one of the ways of thinking about how complex gossip is by the nature of who we're communicating with and who we are not communicating to it creates in-group out-group that in-group is for protection but like even within like that in-group out-group I think the confines of gossip can often feel both really delicious and also like and I think like gossip is something we should wrestle with but I think to get to your original point about about it being negative and then associated with women versus mm-hmm. being associated with women and then understood as negative. I can kind of understand, I can understand, I'm trying not to waffle in mm-hmm. the language. I can understand how 
gossip is a tool that is one of the few that is available to women. Because clearly in the case of a guy who like touches your back too Mm -hmm. much at work, like HR is rarely going to be able to act on something like that directly. Mm -hmm. But you can take action via gossip. And, you know, if we're talking historically, the functionality of gossip in novels has been traced back to the Middle Ages, novels as we understood them. And so if you're a woman in a historical setting, you have so few tools available to you. Mm -hmm. Gossip is one of the only that is powerful enough to enact change. Yes. And the fact that it can. And I think that's one of the things that romance, especially historicals, are really racing with and like are excited to enact where it's like, oh, no, they were like caught behind a curtain at a ball and now they have to get married. Not only is it forced proximity, it's also forced marriage and it's forced marriage because of how powerful the gossip mill is. And like the idea that it can act these real material social conditions that you then have to abide by, I think is also part of where like gossip gets a bad rap, especially in historical romance where it's like, look at the confines, gossip sucks. But it's also like, yeah, it does. But also. (laughs) But also the fact that, and I think this is especially true in historicals. And whenever we think about gossip as a literary construct, but also gossip as a social construct, Mm -hmm. is that it is more moral to gossip up than it is to gossip down. Right. So I get more pleasure reading about Kim Kardashian doing something bad or, you know, I get more pleasure from reading about Kate Middleton being a bitch than I would Meghan Markle being a bitch because I see Meghan Markle more as a peer and also as a woman of color. Mm -hmm. And so that's when that I don't like admitting this. I read the Daily Mail Snapchat story every day. And so I get a lot of that experience. And when it feels villainous to me from the Daily Mail is whenever they're attacking Meghan Markle. Mm -hmm. And whenever it feels cheeky and fun to me is whenever they very rarely attack Kate Middleton. Mm -hmm. And that has something to do with morality, but is also a key point in novels. Because we're often reading about a woman of low status achieving a higher status through a romantic relationship. And gossips seek to prevent that at every turn. Villainous gossips. Villainous gossips are interesting in keeping a rigorous and controlled status quo. Yeah. And gossip is a tool of Doing that. that. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. And I think like romance, I think really hits the nail on the head when it talks about the negative aspects of gossip and how damaging it can be and how hard it can be to live with and like all of the expectations that come with knowing you're being gossiped about and not being Mm -hmm. able to address it. And I think like romance gets it exactly right. Well... Well, here, okay. Romance does a really good job of delving into the bad feeling that gossip can engender. I think it does a really good job of that. But it can also do the opposite without being aware of what it's doing re-gossip. What do you mean? Can you explain that further? Yeah. So there can be times, and we'll get into this with Pucked, yeah. where a female character, and I think this is, is kind of troubled almost by Pucked, where a female character is both using gossip as a tool and also deriding it as gossip. Yes. Or even just overheard conversations by other women and uses that as a way to elevate their own status by distancing themselves from gossip or gossipers. When in fact, yeah, we're all other girls. <laughs> like, we're all gossips. 
I, we're all using information. Yeah, and I think you're exactly and, and mediating it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's exactly right. I feel like I overread on gossip and could just talk about it forever. Well, I think that's because it's so interesting. And I think one of the things that in The Wish, how seeing gossip is villainized completely and also deeply Mm -hmm. feminized, I think gossip is more troubled in Puck and we'll get into that in that episode. But I think you're right to talk about this idea of the blind spot where I think any romance that deals explicitly with a wider social conditioning or wider social groups, like when we don't just have the hero and heroine like alone on a trip by themselves, gossip almost inevitably comes up. And like, it's usually used in this idea of misunderstanding. And like, that's how it's used as a plot device where it's like, I heard this about you. And they're like, that's not true. I've never done that. I've never like booted a kitten from a second story window. Why would I do that? I'm not a monster. And I think you're right to say that our heroine almost never participates actively in gossip because gossip is somehow beneath her or it's something that other girls do and we're not like other girls and blah 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 which is this like remove that romance seems to have decided that gossip is never good right but at the same time we witness the character utilizing gossip applying it towards her real life and her own judgments of other people and using gossip about a person as a measure of their worthiness of their morality while saying gossip is beneath her. And I think that's the thing is like gossip is the Althusserian web. (laughs) Like every time we try to separate ourselves from it, we also find ourselves like reinforcing its power structure. (laughs) Right. And because it is such a critical, and as we stated at the beginning of this with this amazing gossip fact, 85% of it is neutral. Yeah, isn't that wild? It is Um, literally so wild. I don't even know what to do with it. I just like, I want to make a shirt that says gossip is 85% neutral and I'd wear it all the time. Well, the reason this research and how this research got done is when I was looking for scholarly articles, there's this real push to like, how are we going to diminish workplace gossip? Mm. Because workplace gossip and whenever we're looking to remove something like workplace gossip, always keep in mind that telling someone, hey, Harry from accounting grabs your ass a lot. That is the gossip they're trying to remove because they do not want liability. Like removing gossip is in no one's best interest. And certainly not marginalized workers and certainly not anybody with an identity that isn't a white cis het man. People have this idea and it sounds so good on paper because gossip is always understood as this negative that like, hey, we're going to work to create a gossip free workplace and aren't you going to feel safer? And that is not the case. One of the reasons they don't want you to gossip is that they don't want you to talk about your pay grade. I'm so glad that you brought this up because I actually wanted to talk about my experience of that where I was making 50 cents less than all of the other bartenders and managers at the pizza place that I worked at. And it wasn't until a coworker, a male coworker, an ally was like, hey, how much do you make? And it's because he had heard gossip that I was making less because I hadn't negotiated harder for it. And he heard that gossip and then came to me and asked me what I made and then told me what he made. And then I went to all of the other female workers and I'm like, all right, I need to know what you're making. And then my boss is like, you can't start a feminist uprising with your gossip. And I was like, I don't yes, you can. You like that's the so only can. way to do this. Like if because I had no idea what the other women were making in relation right. to yeah. what their male counterparts were making. Exactly. And I was like, like, oh, shit, you've done this on purpose so that we could never agitate. Corporations very rarely do anything in the public's best interest. And so, <laughs> but they were very interested in like, how are we going to fix this quote unquote 
problem of gossip. Yeah. And so they paid a lot of sociologists, a lot of anthropologists to like mic up the water station and <laughs> record people's conversations. And that is how they discovered that only 15% of our gossip is either positive or negative. 85% is neither. <laughs> it's mere statement of fact. It's just us relating information to each other, building relationships and intimacy. And like, that's incredible is like this thing, even when it's neutral, even when it's bad, is still creating a positive feeling to a certain extent Mm -hmm. because it's building that intimacy and it's making us as is so crucial, I think, in romance novels you and I specifically enjoy. But also I think the majority of people like this is the heroine feeling seen. Yeah. And that comes from gossip. Like, it doesn't come from gossip in romance novels because we have internality, Mm -hmm. right? We can see inside the head of the hero or the heroine. And then when the actual interaction happens, none of those thoughts or feelings are really expressed directly. Mm -hmm. But it's like we, the reader, have an understanding that they see each other in this way. And so we are satisfied by their happily ever after. Mm -hmm. But in real life, none of that exists. We do not get anyone's internality without gossip. Even when we're gossiping, about another person. We are relating information about our own personal values and also how we see the person we're choosing to talk to Mm -hmm. as an equal, as someone who could benefit from our information, as someone we want to benefit from. Not only benefit from our information, but like potentially utilize it in some way, even if it's that just bonding. Right. Is there anything else re-gossip as a literary device? Because I feel like we spent so much time talking about it as like a social device Mm -hmm. that does feed into how it works in novels. Even while it's villainized, it is a utility. I think that's like one of the things that I've noticed over the course of reading this many romance novels, which is way more than I've ever read in my whole life. I've been thinking a lot about how the romance genre has decided that gossip and then as a shorthand, like other less deserving girls, that gossip is always negative. It's always used to put the heroine either on a pedestal or to rip her off of one. We've all been in moments where we have felt the worst part of gossip, which is to be on the outside, to be the subject of the subtweet. And that doesn't feel good. But I think the idea that like gossip has more than one utility and that one of those Mm -hmm. utilities is about sharing connection, sharing vulnerability, and like this real desire to build bonds and groom one another is really lost in romance. And I think romance should revisit this. Yeah. And I think, you know, regarding being the subject of a subtweet, while it feels bad, perhaps you can find a little nook of solace in the idea that those who are subtweeting about you are finding intimacy between one another. Exactly. The joy of self-referential reinforcement. And maybe that's a little silver lining for you that other people are happy. I think it is. And I think it took me a while to get there. But like... I'm glad that I could create that for some people if they wanted it. Yeah. And, you know, the more distant an idea is from you, the more pleasurable it is to talk about it. Yeah. And so that's also something to keep in mind. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I want to make a point about Fumbled. Yes, please. In my readings, because we're going to talk about Fumbled, that I think is something to keep in mind as we start reading that book, you and I, which is this phenomenon of true stories. And I read this article that looked at true crime as far as like murder ballads and Mm. and news and like the idea of being truth adjacent Mm -hmm. and why that is so popular and why it is also so derided. The closer you get to truth, the closer your text gets to gossip 
And gossip gives us all those good tingly feelings. That's so interesting because literally just today I read an article because the new book called Rodham has come out, which is essentially fan fiction of Hillary Clinton not marrying Bill Clinton as Uh like a speculative fiction. And the person who reviewed it was like, I don't know why people publish fan fiction. And I was like, real people fic? I know why they do that. (laughs) It's more, it's so pleasurable. And the reason we bring it up with Fumbled is that it is written by a wife of an NFL player. And so Mm -hmm. my giddiness around reading it, even though I have no interest in the NFL is like its proximity to truth. Like somehow the author, Alexa Martin, is going to have like this extra cachet of juiciness to provide me with. And once again, I have no interest in the NFL. I have no (laughs) reference point. If there are any blind items in this book, I'm not going to pick them up. But just the idea that it could be close to gossip. Moreover, gossip that is so far from me. I mean, I'm just so excited. I'm fizzed over the idea of reading it. And I was like, why is it? And then reading this article about gossip, I was like, oh man, the math checks out. Why (laughs) I would be so excited to read this book. The math checks out. The math checks out. So it is a literary device, but it's also a social device. And we want to talk about it because it's, what, femme adjacent? Yeah, and I think it's Even though men do it like 12% less than women do. Yeah, and I think it's like worth always interrogating the spaces that say anything that is derided as femme is negative. Let's think about that. Let's think about communication venues and like how and why they've been allowed to be derided in the way that they have. Yeah, 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 totally. All right, loosen your woes. But never your nusses. Whoa, golly gee. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. Womance is hosted by Isabeau. That's me. And Morgan, that's me. Production is by Nick Gravelin. Our web mistress is the incomparable Jane Bonzac. And our illustration and logo were created by Mary Reichman. They're the best. If you'd like to follow, creep, or connect with us on our social media platforms, you can find us at mans underscore woe on Twitter, womance on Instagram, or email at womancemail at gmail.com. You can also hang out on our amazing website at womancepodcast.com. You can support us by using our code to visit our sponsors or go to our Patreon where we are Womance. Womance is officially part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Discover more podcasts just like our own centering on romance and reading at frolic.media slash podcast. Until next week. Mwah.